0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show. I'm Liz Wheeler. We are, yes, you guessed it, at NatCon 3 in Miami, still here. <laughs> this is how many interviews that we've been doing dawn to dusk day after day, because there's so many good speakers, so many good panelists here that I want to talk, or I want to talk to, not talk about, at least... Not while they're on the set. (laughs) With me now is the culture editor at The Federalist, Emily Atjashinsky. Emily, good to see you. Good to see you, Liz. Okay, so you recently wrote a piece at The Federalist in which you very politely criticized the Republican Party at large for how they have framed the messaging on green energy and climate change. I want to be a little more blunt and a little less polite and you, and say Republicans have really messed this up, have made it, have actually played by the terms set by the Democratic Party on electric vehicles, on fossil fuels, on climate change. Um, And that's terrible. That's a huge disservice to the American people. What should we be doing instead?
1: Well, you know, think of one thing, the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, oddly, uh, was supported by (laughs) ExxonMobil. It's basically a climate bill and it was supported by ExxonMobil. So there's a lot of money to be made actually in new energy. Of course, there's still a lot of money in fossil fuels, but there are a lot of people who are invested in new energy and will make a lot of money off of it. And a lot of those people are Republican donors. A lot of those people are, you know, in the consulting world. Um, And I think that has some influence over it. But to your point, um, on a broader level, I mean, when I was researching the piece you referenced, I was looking at a study from Berkeley that crunched the numbers since 2005 or six, And of the truly insane amount of money that has been spent in federal subsidies since the Bush administration, the majority of it, something like 65% has gone to upper earners. And federal subsidies for green energy. Green energy, period. So when you look at electric vehicles, the numbers are 90% of subsidies for EVs have gone to the top income quintile it's unbelievable so it's basically just forcing the middle class to pay for their rich neighbors' chinese solar panels like i do think that we need to for national security reasons transition to energy independence in the united states there's no question about it but this transition has just overwhelmingly benefited the rich and and has forced the middle class to burden, shoulder that burden financially, culturally. They want you basically to be eating less steak, having less kids, driving fewer trucks, and uh, basically being less happy. (laughs) It's a culture war, right? It's an
0: assault on the middle class. Right. This, this should actually be like the easiest messaging ever for the exactly. Republican Party, right? It's a layup. It's a layup.
1: <laughs> but Mitch McConnell, and this is a, the genesis of the piece was really me thinking about how Rick Scott and Mitch McConnell and, and Rick Scott was here at NatCon, I think talking about some of these things. There's been this sort of simmering feud that boils over to the surface between those two about since the spring because Mitch McConnell still seems to be deeply uncomfortable with culture warriors in the Republican Party. And Rick Scott, um, I think, understands to some extent that that is actually political. Politically, easier. It's better for Republicans to be bold uh, on the culture war. Ronald Reagan said, bold colors, not pale pastels. Mitch McConnell is the living embodiment of a pale pastel. <laughs> um, and that's, I actually think he's a liberal. He's not. The, he's like I don't think he's conservative. One of the least popular politicians polling-wise in the country. Um, and he's the one who is pulling the strings. He's the one that's uncomfortable with Blake Masters, who is also here. He doesn't like J.D. Vance. He doesn't see them as good candidates. And he said as much recently to the press, in August of an election year. I mean, it's just kind of incredible. But the reason
0: why isn't isn't just culture warrior. It's because Mitch McConnell doesn't want any discussion about election integrity. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes J-j-jumba. chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary Voidware we prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He agrees with the left on January 6th, and he controls the largest super PAC in the country that elects that gives money to elect Republicans to the Senate. So any Republican who relies on money from Mitch McConnell can't contradict Mitch McConnell's liberal ideology or else they risk losing the funding that helped them get into the Senate in the first place. It's so messed up.
1: Right. I actually remember this was probably like five years ago, talking off the record with two very high profile politicians at the time who were discussing you know, their idea. This was during the Trump administration, that what voters do is open up their bills at the kitchen table and say, look at them and say, wow, the Republican Party saved me money. I'm going to go out and vote Republican. And this is like literally what they were saying is how people vote. That was their understanding of how you win in politics is that people are gonna sit down at the kitchen table crush the numbers and say, oh, thanks, Republicans. I'm now going to go get off my butt and go vote for Republican. That's obviously not how it works. Um, And you have to animate voters. But this is a layup. Like, you don't have to compromise any moral values. Um, It's, in fact, more moral to be pointing out that this is a culture war on America's middle class. Nobody wants to talk about it in the press because the press is, you know, overwhelmingly in favor. They're the ones that are getting the cheap solar panels. They're the ones that are driving the Teslas and the cheap EVs. Um, But the rest of us are just footing the bill. I mean, it's it's a scandal that's been, it's like a slow motion scandal that's been playing out for two decades and Republicans don't want to talk about it.
0: Do you think people's eyes will be opened now that Gavin Newsom, for example, in California, 2% of vehicles in California are electric vehicles, 98% are gas powered. And in this energy crisis that Newsom himself created, he's asked owners of electric vehicles, the 2% not to charge their vehicles. And yet he wants to force the entirety. Of California to own electric vehicles by 2035. Are people's eyes going to be opened to this? Are they going to see that it's a scam?
1: How could they not? I mean, Gavin Newsom is the perfect example. It Within two weeks, like within a week actually, of him saying that we're putting everybody on this off-ramp from fossil fuels or for diesel-powered cars by, what, 2035. Within a week of that, he was telling people not to charge their EVs because of the energy crisis in California. So he's saying I signed a story at The Federalist with this headline right away, as soon as I saw it. I was like, we need to write a story that says Gavin Newsom um, buy EVs, just don't charge them. Like, yes. it's insanely stupid. And yet, like, I didn't hear the national media talking about that at all. There's no framing about how idiotic it is. It's just, you know, the moral way to save the planet. But it's shouldering people who who can't use EVs maybe have to drive really long distances for work. They have to commute back and forth because their parents are their childcare. I mean, there are so many different reasons that it's not convenient for a middle-class person in the way that it is for an upper-class person. Also, the person. cost
0: of an electric vehicle to isn't the
1: average Absolutely. cost like sixty or $70,000? They're very expensive. And to the extent that they're even as much as they are right now, even as expensive as they still are, the rest of us are still footing the bill for them.
0: And they're going to be more expensive because they rely on cobalt and lithium that come from China. So it's
1: asinine. They're as dependent on like rare earth minerals as other things are on fossil fuels. And that's what's really pressing about the entire green energy industry is at the end of the day, they are still reliant, unless you're talking renewables, on finite resources. So cobalt, lithium, and that's all from China that is all mined in China. We can mine, mine some of it by China here. in Africa. Yeah, well, yeah. And, you know, we can mine some of it here, but you're still getting to a finite supply. You're still not, I mean, it, it doesn't solve the problem in some extent to the to, to the extent it makes us reliant on China. It worsens the problem and it's not a major scandal. I mean, it's a layup for Republicans to talk about.
0: It should be a layup for Republicans to talk about, but that's, that's what you were writing in your piece. Uh, essentially a directive for Republicans. Listen, if you don't understand this problem, read this information. This is what you need to know. This is the implications of it. If you zoom out too in the larger picture, the Democratic Party has painted themselves for a long time as the party of the working man. We fight for you. It's the opposite of that right now. One of the unique things about the United States of America is our middle class. Mm -hmm. It's the prosperity enjoyed by our middle class. And part of that is, you know, suburban America. Part of that is blue collar work. The left is actively trying to destroy all of those things. I mean, look at what they're trying to do with the suburbs and the zoning laws that would fundamentally change what, what our country is, what our country is and how it works. Yeah. And if
1: if you listen to high profile, green energy advocates or environmentalists, they're talking about having fewer children. They're talking about, uh, you know, banning trucks, basically they're talking about all of the stuff that I mean, eating no meat, right? What was the, um, the, the cooking publication, uh, Epicurious, right? Like they came out, what, a year and a half ago saying we're not doing meat recipes anymore, period. It is, a, it is a culture war. This is not a kitchen table issue. It has kitchen table implications, but this is first and foremost, a culture war. And Republicans should be shouting from the rooftops the fact that this is an attack on the middle-class lifestyle. It's not just about a cheap cut at Outback Steakhouse. I think I wrote that in the piece. Um, Although that would be affected, clearly, uh, it's actually just about your life and the way that you live your life, the amount of children you have. The left is horrified at people who have seven kids. Um, And yet American women are saying they're having fewer children than they want to. It's unbelievable. And it's, again, a layup for Republicans, but they don't, they still have uh, this this absolute inability to touch the culture war. Not all of them. We have, there's some like really cool new voices. Blake Masters is one of them. Uh, but the Mitch McConnells of the world really don't want to touch the culture war still. It feels like they're getting their hands dirty when they talk about the culture war. But that's going to be how you're going to win the election and save the country. It's actually sort of a perfect combination.
0: It's also incumbent on us as the voters when we're choosing who to send to Congress, when we're choosing our elected representatives, not just to say, oh, great, you align with the party platform as dictated by the website and the statement of principles. But what do you think of these uncomfortable topics? Are you willing to talk candidly about them? Are you willing to have principles? Are you willing, in the face of criticism, to stand up? Because that's the difference between what I would call a conservative and the positive connotation Mm. and a Republican in just the rhino
1: sense. Mm, That's really interesting. And I think a lot of the people that fall into the rhino bucket like plainly don't understand the problem. They don't because they're fine. You know, for the most part, their lifestyles have not been completely altered by a lot of this. Um, uh, uh, The price of gas going up a little bit does not. I mean, do they still pay it? We all pay the same gas prices. Sure. Do they still pay it? Yes. But does it matter as much to them um, than the 60% of Americans who right now are living paycheck to paycheck? No, absolutely not. But if you are living paycheck to paycheck, and you understand what it's like to like to live paycheck to paycheck, you know that gas going up 50 cents is huge. I mean, it's a complete, like you can see your, your parents less. You can, you know, the, that vacation you saved up for might not happen. That one time of relaxation with your family, you might have to miss out on. These things mean a lot more if you're living on a lot less. And I just really think a lot of Republicans fundamentally don't understand what's happening to the average American's daily life. Or why?
0: I, I, I've spent several Mm. years analyzing, I think as we all have analyzing the never Trumpers, Like, how could otherwise intellectual conservatives (laughs) become so deranged with hatred towards president Trump that they're willing to sacrifice actual conservative principles. And, and part of my, part of my thought process has just been, and I'll, I'll use a concrete example here, Mitt Romney, (laughs) is I think a lack of understanding of the political opposition that we face. Because if you think that you're facing Joe Biden, just kind of an old fuddy-duddy, who is Democrat, but not evil, then you're going to call him, as Mitt Romney did in The Atlantic, a genuinely good man. (laughs) But if you understand the reality that what we're facing is, yes, Joe Biden is old, and he's surrounded by radical Marxists who are using every tool in their disposal to fundamentally change our culture in order to subvert our governmental institutions, by way of toppling our cultural institutions, then you respond to him in a very different way. And I think a lot, I think some Republicans fall into that camp, even if they're not rabid, never Trumpers, fall into that camp, just lacking awareness of the severity of what our political opposition has embraced.
1: And it's such an interesting perspective because I think back to 2020 and remember how many, I mean, someone just yesterday asked me like, were you surprised by 2020? And my answer was obviously no, absolutely not. I wasn't surprised, but a lot of Republicans seemed shocked that this was happening and it was hard to watch. You know, I'm from not very far from Kenosha. And yeah, it's incredibly difficult to watch. And the extent to which it got out of control surprised me a little bit, but it wasn't surprising to me whatsoever that any of it was happening. And I think if it was surprising, if you if you were shocked to see young people um, thinking that this statue is um, a manifestation of physical violence, or this is... Um, racist. I mean, in Wisconsin, they toppled an abolitionist statue. I mean, it's inc- like truly incredible because it was yeah. a white guy. Um, unbelievable stuff, but if it surprises you, then you just weren't paying enough attention. And Republicans loved to mock for years. Um, Republican centrist media people would look at the campus craziness segments that Fox News would do, or they would look at, you know, conservative outlets covering some of this outrageous stuff, like puppies being brought into safe spaces because Christina Hoff Summers was speaking, something like that. And it was funny, but it was like, all right, calm down. It was like entertainment rage. Right, it was like, you know, when they get into the workforce they'll see the real world. Well, no, they changed the real world to meet their standards. And if you had, I mean, we're similar in age. Like if you're our age, you saw this happening around you. You saw it on Twitter. You saw it on Tumblr. You saw it in your classrooms. You saw it everywhere. And it wasn't surprising at all. Right. But you have to pay attention.
0: You do. And I think that that's, that's one of the exciting things about this conference actually, is there's a lot of people in our age group. I'm 33. There's a lot of people in our age group who understand this, who understand, wait a second, Our society needs to be centered on morals morals as given to us by God through the Bible. And the political opposition that we face is Marxism. And therefore, it's either their set of quote unquote values or our values that are going to dictate the public sphere. And so this is a, an existential fight um, for our nation. Now, this is a this is a little bit, I guess, tangential to the green energy piece that you wrote, but not really. No, I mean, not really. That's all part of it. It's part of the radical left trying to subvert our country from within and coming after the middle class. And Republicans, my goodness, especially leading up to the election, need to realize that Emily Jashinsky, thanks for sitting down with me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Liz. All right, guys, if you want exclusive early access to interviews just like this one, you can join us at LizWheelerShow.com slash locals. LizWheelerShow.com slash locals. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show.